0: Good morning, Rabbotai. Today's breakfast and class is donated in loving memory of Melia Mimi Khafif, Aleh Shalom, Leilu Nishmat Melia Bat Olga, Aleh Shalom, sponsored by a brother, Joseph Ezra Cohen. In the final moments of Yisrael's life, he calls to his son Yosef, and he says to his son, I want you to swear to me, and you will do with me kindness and truth. Please, do not mar- bury me in Egypt. Rashi says something really interesting. What does it mean, do with me kindness and truth? Not hesed ve'emet, but rather, hesed she'osim im who hesed she'le'emet. Kindness that you do with the dead is considered a kindness of truth. Why? because you're not waiting and you're not anticipating any sort of payback for that deed. The guy's dead, he's gone on to his world, he can never pay you back. This idea that doing a hesed, burying the dead, is considered a hesed shelemet is one that we're all familiar with. We associate these words with the word met mitzvah. In fact, the halakha says if a kohen is, uh, is walking along the road and he sees somebody that's dead on the side of the road, there's no one within a hundred miles, the guy's gonna rot on the side of the road. The halakha is, even though a kohen is not allowed to become tamer to a dead person, unless they're from his closest relatives. In this scenario, because it's met mitzvah, he's allowed to bury him. Good, he has to do, the, he has to do everything afterwards, even on Shabbat, Rabbi Miller's adding. So we have this amazing concept of a met mit mitzvah, which is called chesed veemet, because no one will ever pay you back. Now the Sifteh HaChamim asks an amazing question. He says, Rashi actually went out on a limb here, and he translated the words hesed Vehemet," kindness and truth, he translated it not as hesed and truth, but rather kindness of truth. If that's the case, asks the Sifteh HaChamim, there's another scenario where we find this hesed ve'emet, when Eliezer says to Lavan and Bituel, he says to them, if you're going to do hesed ve'emet, you're going to do kindness and truth with my master, Hagiduli, tell me, over there no one's being buried. The whole point was just whether or not they would allow Rivkat to come back, and get married to Yitzhak. So how could you call that a kindness of truth? No one was dying. This ifteh hachamim answers something illuminating, because we're all familiar with the great uh, reward that's described in Hazal for someone who does a chesed shalemet. It's a remarkable thing to be able to do such a kindness. Says this ifteh hachamim, you know why that was called a chesed ve'emet, which Rashi says is chesed shalemet? Because since Avraham was not there, he was far away in another country, there was no anticipation that he was going to pay them back either. So even though nobody was dead, but it was a regular chesed, there was not a dead person to be seen, the point of chesed she is not limited to dead people. <clears throat> and I thought to myself, wow, that means that any time a person wants the special merit of doing a chesed she they don't have to do a kindness associated with the dead. You, more than, you have more than ample opportunities to do it without finding a dead body on the side of the road. All you need to do is a t- uh, hesed with someone who can never pay you back. You're in Israel. The guy don't know your name. You don't know who he is. You never met him before. You see he really needs something. You give him some money. You help him out. Hesed shalemet, You walk away. There's no chance guy's ever going to pay you back. No chance. He doesn't even know who you are. You don't know who he is. Done. Chalas. Any scenario where you have that, according to the Siftei Chachamim, you would have this amazing, scena- amazing zikhut of hesed shel But Rabbi goes further. <clears throat> There's a wonderful question that's asked in the Sefarim. The Noad asks and answers beautifully. He asks the most beautiful question. He said the mitzvah that we know, the classic case of Chesed Chelamet, associated with Metzal Mitzvah, is the case where you bury someone on the side of the road. And the reason is because you're never going to get paid back for it. Everybody knows this. They teach us in yeshiva to kids. asks the Noad amazing question. He says, hold on, hold on, hold on. That's Chesed shel emet. Let's say you have a guy who tutors your child. He teaches him chumash. Your kid has a bar mitzvah teacher. He taught him how to read his bar mitzvah portion. He taught him how to chazen. In that scenario, would you call the tutor chesed Shalemet because he's never going to get paid by the child? Of course not. He gets paid by the father, Yehuda, when you bury a dead body on the side of the road, maybe the kid's not going to pay you. But his father, in shamayim, his heavenly father, HaKadosh Baruch he's going to pay you shon en mal, like they would say in Yiddish. Right, he's going to pay you uh, ten times because of the way, the kind of chesed. So you're getting paid anyway. So what's going on over here? answers an No'ah Bayuda, a, 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 a cataclysmic shift in our understanding of chesed He says as follows: <clears throat> Why is it that the kivurah of a dead person is called chesed Not because he says. You're not going to get paid. Because if that was the case, you're getting paid back by God. Both in this world, He gives us mazal, He gives us baracha, He gives us the reins, He gives us health. Also in the world to come, we get. So what are we talking about? And He says, unbelievable. He says, if you work for somebody, so the guy doesn't know when He pays you at the end of the day if you spent all the time at work doing faithfully His work. He doesn't know if you committed 100% to the deed. He doesn't know if you came late, if you left early. He doesn't know if you did it with a smile on your face. All he knows is you got the job done. So when someone pays you for a deed that you've done, it lacks a certain element of veracity, of uh, emet. However, says the Nodah Yehuda, when you do a hesed that Boreo Olam is going to pay you, he knows every single drop about the deed that you did. How you did it, when you did it, how long it took you, how much effort it took. Was it hard? Was it easy? Were you embarrassed? Were you happy? Did you do it begrudgingly? Did someone else put you up to it? Did someone embarrass you and make you donate that money at the Sefer Torah? You see? That's why when a person's relying on HaKadosh Baruch Hu to pay the bill, it's called a Hesed Shelemet. Not because he's not getting paid, but because he's getting paid in truth exactly for what he's done. Rabotai, I want to share with you an unbelievable story brought down by the Haida himself in his book, Maasei Gidolim. He talks about uh, many, many years ago in the city of Damasek in Sham, in uh, Damascus. There was a man who was a pagan priest. He had a house of Abu Zarah, and many, many people followed this priest. He was a very charismatic uh, leader, and they would come in flocks and in droves to hear his, uh, his, uh, his short and uh, throughout the time, he would raise money to kind of uh, for the church or for whatever it is that he was uh, that he was pitching over there. The guy, you know, maybe he wore the cloth, but uh, the cloth was made of Armani Hada. You know, it wasn't a simple guy. He, he used to skim off the top. Ya'ani, like I say, ma'aser min maaser. You know, they'd come and give all these dedications to the Abu Zarah and the guy would show after half the money. He was living the high life. Everything in his house was brand new, his clothing was beautiful, his house was spacious. The guy, he has, his wagon had uh, 50 horsepower, right? He had lots of horses, the guy, he's living the life. One day, a terrible calamity comes to him and he comes to his idols and he bows and he prays and he slaughters animals and he does sacrifices, and he does everything to his idols and nothing is working. And he's getting more and more desperate until finally he runs outside of this temple that he's running. And he screams to the heavens and he says, Master of the world, if you can hear me, please help me almost immediately after this prayer like we say in the pasuk god doesn't only listen to Sadiqim, god listens to anyone that calls out in truth this guy called out in truth no problem he answers your prayers too the pasuk says about the my house is a house of prayer for anybody that comes to pray so god can listen to the prayers of anybody and god answers his prayers this guy realizes that his whole life, his whole lifestyle, all these gods, it's a sham. sham. It's a sham in sham. What happens? He escapes in the middle of the night. He doesn't want anyone to know that. He knows they'll stop him or maybe they'll kill him. And he runs away to Eretz Israel and makes his way to a quiet, sleepy town at the time of Tveria, where he converts to Judaism, u U'Kedin, 100%. He said, the God, who, who which, which religion has a God that doesn't have a statue made out of wood or stone, that only prays to a God that you cannot see? It's the Jews. The Jews believe that. He converted wholeheartedly, and this guy who was wealthy and famous and powerful in Damascus. All of a sudden, he's a nobody in Tiberia, but he's a Jewish nobody. He becomes the Shamosh of a, of a synagogue in the city. And they see a guy there, nobody knows who he is. But they say the guy doesn't have a job, he's all the time in the synagogue anyway, right? Why don't we give him, in the most ironic turn of events, why don't we make him the Gabay Tzedakah? So, what happens all of a sudden again now, just in another religion? They start giving him the Nadi. The guy, his Yetzi Hara, doesn't, you know, they say about old soldiers, they don't die, they just fade away. Right? The Yitzhar is compared to an old soldier. It doesn't die, it just fades away. He's feeling, you know, he got the money again. <clears throat> As the same Yitzhar. He starts skimming off the top. Very quickly, after he turns to his refound life of crime, <clears throat> he gets sick and one of his eyes, he loses sight and one of his eyes, he becomes blind. He realizes that Olam is punishing him for messing with the money like the Pasuk says, ki hashohad ya aver When you take money that's not supposed to be with you, causes blindness. Can't believe it, but you know he can't control himself. He says, I have one eye at least, but you know what? I have, at least I'm living a nice life. I can manage with one eye. He loses sight in his second eye. Very quickly, after he loses sight in his second eye, they realize that the guy can no longer fulfill his duties. And they say, we have to get another guy by tzedakah. They take the job away from him and give it to somebody else. The guy now is destitute. He's broken. He's blind. He's in Tiveria. He's got no support system. One day he's walking down the street in Tiveria, and all of a sudden, two random businessmen, non-Jewish from Damascus, they see a guy that they think that they recognize. They run up to him and they say, wait a second, are you our priest? You look a little bit, you know, you look a little different, but it's the resemblance is no, no mistaking you for this guy. And he says, you know what, I admit to you, I came here. I converted to Judaism, and I'm here now. And I can't see. And I'm wandering around. And maybe that's why I look different. They said, "No, you have to come back with us to Damascus." Can't believe it. The Jews—they got their claws into you. No way. You got to come back with us. The guy says, "Okay." They're so excited. They're gonna do a public teshuvah. They're gonna humiliate the Jews. They take him back. They buy him a, a ticket. They buy you know the, They travel all the way back and they build in the middle of the town a stage. And they gather around all the followers of this, all his old followers the thousands of people who come to see this great thing where the, the guy who was a priest, <clears throat> went off the derech, became Jewish, is now going to renounce his Judaism and come back home uh, to, to, uh, to, to his pagan roots. He stands up on the bimah, and I want to read you what the Hida says. He says, Di-u, You should know, when I was a priest to the pagan idols, I used to collect money from all of you. And at the time, I would steal some of that money. And with that, I apologize. I've done you wrong. But because you didn't know, and you didn't say anything, so no, I got away with it. But not only that, who else didn't know and couldn't say anything? The idol. Because he can't see, and <laughs> I He couldn't, you know, he didn't have any eyes to see, didn't have any power to punish. And suddenly I realized that my whole life was a lie. So I went and I became Jewish. And he says, and there I got to meet the God of the entire world. And they made me a Gabayi and again I did the same thing. And the people didn't know. But the Eloheha Emet, the God of Truth, Ra'ah, he saw. The Elohei HaEmet and the God of Truth, Nifra, he paid back. He punished me. Tohzman Katsa within a very short time, I was blinded in both of my eyes and I lost my job. Zehu vidui, that is my confession. The speech was so powerful that many of the people that were there, they, they were bowing to Abu Dazara, they gave up on the spot, they heard their old priest shambling the whole thing, telling them that he doesn't, he still with, is blind, uh, with no eyesight, with nobody, with nothing, and he'd rather be a Jew, they come back from the Avon, from Abu Dazara, and the Kiddush Hashem was such a Kiddush Hashem, that a miracle happened, and very shortly afterwards, his eyesight was regained. Unbelievable. Wow. The Hida Kadosh. Rabbi Otay, I want to say one thing. When we think of hesed Shalemet, we used to think of dead bodies. Now we think, according to the seftech hachamim, of other mitzvot, that a person can't get paid back. But what's fascinating to me in the final analysis is, what hesed can a person do, which is a greater hesed shelemet, than bringing someone back to teshuvah? You know what that means? That all future generations that will never meet you they children, they're light Shabbat candles. They'll learn Torah, they'll go to synagogue. Because you know what? You took the time to find a Jew in your office and you invited him for Shabbat. You tell him, Fadda for one class. Come inside. I want to take you to my synagogue to meet my rabbi. What a zekhut that is. If a person could do that, it's a kindness that can never be repaid. Baruch Adonai Leolam. Amen ve'amen.